0: to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. Hello, this is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. And today I have the privilege of talking to Anna Vegan who is has just a wonderful, exciting approach to social learning and helping children children develop social awareness. She is a speech and language pathologist and has been doing therapy and working in the area of social learning with children for over 30 years. She's developed a program and written a book on it called UQ, Y-O-U, capital C-U-E, Feelings, which shows people how to use online YouTube videos for social learning. Her website is socialtime.org. You can also find her on Twitter at Anna underscore V-A-G-I-N. Anna, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, David. Pleasure to be here.
0: So could you give us an an overview of um, the the basics of the program and also how how did you get there? What prompted development of this program?
1: Well, I was looking for interesting and engaging material, first of all. And me- quite a few years ago, I started using movies because the DVD came out. And before, when movies on v- were on VHS, you couldn't get a good freeze frame to show a feeling state. I was very interested in showing students what emotions looked like visually. So with the DVD, we're able to freeze frame and get a really nice shot of a facial expression. And Mm -hmm. so I started using movies in my sessions. And my first book, Movie Time Social Learning, was about using movies and gave kind of lesson plans for, I think, seven specific movies, all the way from Nuffle Bunny for little kids through Harry Potter, you know, for the older students. Mm -hmm. And then when that book was finished, there was YouTube just coming into its popularity. And I thought, wow, I don't have to show full-length movies now if I don't want to. I can show a four-minute YouTube and use it in much the same way. There are so many beautifully rendered stories on YouTube. There's a lot of junk also. So, of course, you have to be very selective and very responsible in how you use YouTube with students. Mm -hmm. But there is so much beautifully rendered stuff out there. It's short. We can freeze frame it. I can talk with students about it. So I started consolidating lists of, e- of YouTube videos that I thought were particularly good. And the UQ Feeling book lists the number of YouTubes that I thought yeah. were And I
0: love me. the fact that that's also kind of arranged by age or progression of social learning so they can get more complex and involved as... Uh, as kids move along through it, kids and parents.
1: Well, yes. And what I've been able to do is if people who purchase UQ register with me, then I send them updates that often have new YouTubes that I think are great. Because, oh, great. you know, they're always coming up with new fabulous YouTubes that work with these activities. So you want to keep the material fresh and say, well, you know, we, I've used that YouTube for a while. Wow, here's five new ones that are, mm-hmm. that are just. Beautiful and wonderful to use. A lot of with emotions. I'm working on a second book that's going to look at relationships. So terms like cooperation, oh wow, negotiating, disagreement, mm.
0: repairs
1: of relationships. Uh, because again, I I think that when students watch examples of these very abstract concepts or very abstract emotions, and start feeling more comfortable talking about these kind of situations or talking about frustration or talking about anxiety. Once they've related with characters and we've laughed about the characters and their predicaments, it's much easier than to say, has anything like that ever happened to you? And they're much more willing and open to say, absolutely. And then you can say, draw me a picture and and you're off to the races.
0: Yeah. It's safer for them to identify and, someone else rather than at first either admitting they feel that, or maybe they don't even know how to label the feeling. And when you're talking about it and those characters and they can see a situation or see a facial expression and think, yeah, he does look pretty mad or um, whatever. So um, one of the things in your, uh, your book intro was about, using some of these things, maybe not the video part, with uh, infants even down to under a year old. Um, So that sounds like that's helping parents teach their children various words of feelings and things. How How does that work?
1: Well, you know, I think that when I use YouTubes or I talk about using YouTubes with children, I really start that exposure. At it for older preschoolers, kindergartners, mm-hmm. and up from there. But I do think when we talk with parents of babies and young children, again, helping parents, you know, who may or may not have a good sense of the signals that their baby is sending. When I worked with young babies you know part of it is that many many babies or a certain percentage of infants will not be sending clear signals to parents and so helping parents watch their baby and well wow, look when your baby did this i think i think they're actually trying to connect with you and and perhaps you can respond by showing your, by really using your face and talking with parents about the importance of that motherese that baby talk and how it's so fascinating you know, I worked a little bit at Anne Fernald's clinic down at Stanford that motherese or baby talk is kind of used internationally, and it, it's very yeah. hard to use that those inflections and that glissandi of inflection without having your face become very animated. They right. go so well together. So when you go, oh, your eyebrows go up and your eyes open and you're sending so, many, so much visual emotional information.
0: Yeah, in I saw it. A uh, an article looking at and it was comparing culturally all across the world um, in terms of expressions, tone of voice, and things, and it was common. I thought that exactly. was wonderful.
1: Um, and dads do it, too. It's not just motheries, and so that's why child-directed speech is kind of the clinical way of including dads, because, of course, dads do it also.
0: Right. Um in One thing, and this was just a thought I had, could parents take a video of either their child or you know, dad takes it of mom and child interacting so that uh, they can send it to you or a therapist as far as help me understand what my child's sending if they have questions?
1: You know, I think that's a great use of some of this technology that we all have access to. When I have an intake of maybe, you know, a kindergartner who might come to be with suspicion of autism or, or, you know, they're on the Mm -hmm. spectrum somewhere, I really like to see early videos. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at historical change. Everybody is filming those birthday parties. Yeah. Everyone films that first birthday party now, and we can look at it and see what's happening in, in a relationship, what's happening for a child, what's happening with their regulations, their sensory challenges that they might have. It really gives us a window into the child's real life mm-hmm. when we see a child in our office. You know, as you know, you're only seeing a part of their, a part of that child.
0: Right. And it's just my a snapshot. Greatest
1: interest, exactly. My greatest interest is what happens in their real world. So video allows parents to bring in a lot of that information.
0: hmm And then I be able Im- to
1: problem solve around it.
0: Yeah, I could imagine even just parents taking the video and then looking at it themselves as they Absolutely. read or learn more about, it, then go back and look at things or I don't know I guess I don't know that you need to say you ought to do it every three months because they're probably doing it anyway but to pick out videos from every six months to be able to see what's the development what changes are there Um, Yeah, I think it's just uh, just a fascinating use of uh, the technology and also the fact that kids are used to seeing things and You know, they identify with characters, and some of them you don't want to identify with one character whacking the other or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of Roadrunner from when I was growing up. You know, the poor coyote had (laughs) trucks falling on him and rocks and everything else. Not that the Roadrunner did that. um, Right. They happened. (laughs) (laughs) So um, walk me through how, uh, say, with a preschooler, What's the progression of things? Um, and in looking at your book, there's kind of a, okay. You start here, and then how do you move on from talking about things to pictures? How does that work?
1: Well, often when I work with young children, I use a lot of visuals. I think visuals are very, very important because that's a lot about emotions. Emotions are visual. And with the young child, I usually will start with a feeling strip that has four emotions, mad, happy, sad, and okay. Because I think it's really important to include a neutral feeling state. And I don't think that's included enough. Because when a child is upset and we're trying to help them find some tools or regulate themselves back down, we really want them just to get to okay. They're not going to get to happy. Yes. If we're upset, you just want to get to okay. And so I think we always want to include a neutral feeling state. So I may have that visual trip, I might use Kimochi's that is a wonderful social-emotional learning tool. And as we, I might watch the video first just the whole way through and just enjoy it and then go back and say, wow, I wonder how many feelings we could find and maybe freeze frame and say, wow, which one do you think that is? And we can draw it on a sticky note and put it right on the monitor or the TV or the iPad screen, and then we can talk about. I wonder what he's thinking to go with that feeling. Start to connect feelings and thoughts together.
0: And another the-
1: activity that's really wonderful is to is to expose young children to the idea that our feelings change and change quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. That it's if okay to change.
1: It's okay to change. In fact, we really can't control it. Right. We've all had that feeling. It's a beautiful day. You're driving down the street. Not a cloud in the sky. Everything's perfect. You're... And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, my gosh, I forgot to take the chicken out of the freezer. And next thing you know, your good mood has just evaporated. And now you're kind of in a funk. Mm -hmm. Students with whom I work really struggle with these transitions into different feelings. They prefer to stay in one feeling state, please? Can I just stay here?
0: Absolutely. That's one of the things I see very commonly. Sometimes adults still have that issue, but being able to transition from you're playing a video game, now we have to go here, or now it's time to have dinner and you've been enjoying playing with your friend, or now it's time to go to school. All those transitions, and some kids have much more difficulty and they get yelling and stomping around or in the extreme throwing things uh, and Absolutely. others just get into very glum and sitting in the car and they're stewing mm-hmm. about things
1: mm-hmm. well and even it's, it's interesting that you mentioned video games because i use a lot of video games in my practice and and tabletop games board games all sorts of games because even when we're playing a game and we might think well playing a game is fun well, playing a game is fun unless you're losing or you get a bad role or someone else is ahead of you or you're ahead right. of, in the game and you're worried that someone might catch up. So even when you're playing a video game, students may go through many different feelings, some of them comfortable, but many of them might be uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, in terms of, of uh, what if either you're starting out or you can see that, a child just can't can't come up with naming feelings, and we talked a little bit about um, parent or therapist modeling what that might look like um, for kids
1: that's a very that's a very good question. One of the reasons I have my little visual pictures mm-hmm. is often students will be able to point to it if they can't name it Mhm-. Or sometimes we'll do this, is it a thumbs-up feeling or a thumbs-down feeling? And they can do that. So it's mm-hmm. very true. Some students may may not be ready to name the feeling. I had a student once who couldn't name it. I said, can you spell it? Because he was a super speller. And he said, S-A-D. And uh, I said, can you write it? Are you there, David?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: And he, he was able to write on a marker board, S-A-D. And I said, Great. can you read that word?" And he said, "Sad." Great. For some kids, it's too threatening to say the word.
0: Yeah, and and I'm also making association here, where a lot of kids, uh, I think, parents are almost frightened or threatened when their child's really angry or really sad, and I. I think a lot of times they don't know what to do and it may be saying, well, you shouldn't feel that way or it's not nice, and then that gets into all kinds of well I'm having this for the child, I'm having this feeling, but I'm not supposed to, um, as opposed to parents also feel feeling comfortable with just labeling it, say it's there, it's okay to have that feeling. Mm-hmm. But then learning what do you do about it? That's an okay thing. If you're angry, you don't haul off and whack somebody. Um,
1: right, right. So you know, one of the things I was going to say because you, you know you're talking about how what tools can we give students when they're having a strong feeling or when they're having even you know just an uncomfortable feeling, because we often say to students. In our attempt to be helpful well when that happens you can just think it's okay it's just a game Mm -hmm. but in reality practicing that is very can be very difficult for many students with whom I work and so I have all of these little posters that we use so for example I might have a poster that's labeled game-playing fixers that has thought bubbles that say it's okay not a big deal tiny problem Maybe I'll get a better role next time. And I use these just to have at the ready. I might kind of pick one up and kind of jiggle it a little bit because what we want to do is to help students put these ideas, these feeling fixers into their working memory. Uh And showing it to them then kind of starts to bridge that gap of, I'm not going to tell you to think this. I'm just reminding you that we've talked about You can think things that will help your feelings. And I find I often use them when we're playing games or video games and that students then internalize those and at some point say, you know, I don't need to have that up right now. I I, I got it. And Mm -hmm. I'll hear them say it or I see them get upset and then regroup. And I can assume that something's happening internally, that they're able then to modulate their own feeling state.
0: So are the feeling fixers pictures or little objects
1: for most students, I have mo- most of my students are readers, and so I have them on um, that foam cord, that foam board, so it can't be ripped in half. Uh, uh-huh, <laughs> like uh-huh. get angry. And so they're just on these like eight-and-a-half-by-eleven foam boards, and they're written as thought bubbles.
0: Uh.
1: That have- And so I often post visuals like this on YouTube to help other therapists or parents get ideas. Or visual supports that we can create to use with students or even outside in the real world, I have some of my stuck fixers and game playing fixer boards are posted up in little League um, at Little League practice because uh-huh. all students have to learn how to tolerate striking out
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's great for uh, you said keeping in working memory well that's one of the things that's very leaky. For anyone with ADD, and particularly kids, they get into a situation. Well, that feeling fixer you talked about yesterday—that's—that's that's not now. That's gone. Um, exactly. So if, if there is that visual reminder that um, you know, mom can say, "Remember," um, or "Here's these feeling this feeling fixer. Or here's something that you may be able to use to help you right now." Not saying you should, or let me explain how you're supposed to do it, but just like you say, the visual reminder, so the mm-hmm. child's incorporating that into things without a message of, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do.
1: And with the, you know, the the tool of technology, most parents who come to my groups, you know, they take pictures with their cell phones of these posters I have. It's so wonderful that we can do that with phones. Then they can share it with little league coaches or teachers and have it to just show the student if they start to get upset. Oftentimes parents want to talk. We want to you know, as parents we want to talk a lot. Yeah. But often when kids are getting upset whether they're getting frustrated or angry or sad, talking is not always the best the best strategy no Even just showing
0: yeah things don't uh it's whether whatever age someone is when your emotions get flooded and you're angry the the wiring in your brain doesn't go through the thinking part um exactly you have to let the emotions kind of calm down a little bit and then um talk and just let it play out and i think Sometimes the the less one talks or tries to interfere, uh, the feeling is going to go down. But I think for anyone, if someone's trying to talk to you when you're feeling that way, then you get more frustrated or upset. You aren't listening to me or you aren't seeing the way I'm feeling. So that's great. So then a parent could kind of restart the connection with, using the visual instead of trying to access that idea part
1: and i think also as parents we want to model how we handle uncomfortable situations i think often parents and certainly teachers you know i often hear teachers say something like, I don't think emotions should be in the classroom, and and I just can't disagree more. I think it's critical for a student to be able to judge, is the teacher in a good mood or not, because you'll be able to get away with either more or less. But as parents, I think we can also, you know, if I'm frustrated not being able to find a parking space. There's nothing wrong, and there's a lot good with my saying, oh, my gosh, you know what, I'm starting to feel so frustrated. I have to remember to think, it's okay, we'll get there. It's not a big problem. You know, yeah. So model, okay, now I'm feeling okay, I'm feeling better. Sorry, I was so agitated, mom got upset. But, you know, I remember to help myself.
0: Yeah, and I can't, I, to me, it does the idea of, Emotions don't belong in the classroom, that, that's, that's almost an oxymoron. Kids are going to have emotions no matter what. So I think
1: that is changing now with the emphasis on social emotional learning.
0: That, that's good because that um, certainly I think the basics are feelings are going to be there. You can't, uh, it, someone else can't say, well, don't feel that way or you shouldn't. The feeling's there, and that's a fact to the person having it.
1: Absolutely, and feelings are not just in literature, but they're also in history. Mm -hmm. You know, World War II wouldn't have started if people hadn't gotten upset.
0: Yeah, Um, exactly. So in terms of of, uh, how about now a child's 8 or 9 and maybe still hasn't picked up the idea, that's when they first come to you, the idea of social cues, maybe they're actually along the autism spectrum, um,
1: uh-huh.
0: how does this apply? I could would think it has a lot of good application for them.
1: Ab- absolutely. And maybe this is a good time to talk about, you know, one particular YouTube and kind of talk through how I yeah. might use it sure Alice Alice has a beautiful story YouTube called soar Uh soar and this is a lovely picture in which there's a young child who is kind of trying to make a paper airplane outside and then this little tiny visitor lands on the table you know she's about you know I don't know four inches tall a little boy his airplane has crashed Mm. And during the story then they work together to fix his airplane oh wow of course it doesn't go well the first couple of times and we see a picture where it's a wonderful uh, visual representation of real discouragement this child is so discouraged they think it will never work and then she's resilient she regroups they try one more time and off he goes a beautiful story and so what I might do with that is we'll watch it and freeze frame it and especially with students on the autism spectrum we really want to work with the connection of feelings thoughts what's happening and how one character's actions influence the thoughts and feelings of another character Mm. and Mm -hmm. so we can just put sticky notes all over the screen that she's thinking she's looking discouraged she's thinking it will never work Uh, I'm looking at an example on my computer. I wish I could. And then this wonderful example that a student came up with, I'm just too dumb.
0: Ah, wow. Which
1: is really beautifully, it fits the picture, it fits the story. It also is a little bit self-revelatory.
0: Yes, so many (laughs) kids with with, uh, ADD, excuse me, um, that's what they end up saying, well, I'm so dumb I'll never learn math or... Uh, And that, to me, is the critical time to help address their ADHD issues when they're there or sort out if you have ADHD and a learning problem that math really is going to be difficult for you and how to address those separately. Absolutely.
1: So with this first screen of discouragement, we can then contrast that with when they fix the airplane. And so... Mm -hmm. When I have students put, what do you think these characters might be seeing? Might be saying, I've got, we got this. We figured it out. We can do it. This time we did it. And so those are exactly the types of phrases that, again, we want students internalizing that if you are failing at something, hang in there. You can think, I'll figure it out. You know, when, when I have a computer glitch, I have to remember that I can figure it out. And that's what keeps my feelings from getting out of control.
0: Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and and I know parents, I know, are encouraging kids, uh, you're going to be able to, it's going to work, and kids, if they're still in the middle of I can't figure out, are thinking, well, you don't know how I feel. That No, I'm not going to be able to. Whereas, again, if there's a visual um, or be able to say, Remember how those guys fixed the airplane and they finally got it. They kept on trying different things and it worked. So let's maybe see a different way you can look at it.
1: Exactly, exactly. To say, I bet we can figure this out. And it's that fine line between saying, I think you can do this while yet accepting their feeling for what it is in the moment. I can tell you're really discouraged. But I remember last week when you did your math, you you kind of felt the same way, but you hung in there. Mm -hmm. And you figured it out. I I bet you can do it again today.
0: Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, I bet we're going to have to uh, wrap it up because we're coming up to (laughs) the end of our time. So we can pick this up another time. I'd love to keep... uh, talking about it. Um, I'm going to be summarizing a couple of things that Anna and I have been talking about. Um, and the most important thing, I think, in her approach is the use of visuals. So kids are not just in reading words or talking. They're actually seeing examples. And they're able to identify with a character, so it's not themselves that are, are having the problem, but the character is. Um, one thing for parents that can help them learn how to pick up cues of their children. You're going to be taking videos of your kids. Go back and look at them some as you learn more about the feelings and identifying them and that can help parents learn how to do it. Uh, the last part I'd, to me that's really important is remember feelings whether it's in your child, yourself, your spouse, anybody else. Feelings are facts to that person. They can't stop them, they can't uh, not make it happen. It's there and the key is how to help them dealing with the feelings and help the, how a parent can help that person learn how to deal with it. Anna, this has been a wonderful discussion and thank you so much.
1: Thanks I've talk- so much, David. I really enjoyed
0: it. I've been talking with Anna Vegan, who is a uh, speech and language pathologist and developer of a program called UQ Feelings, that's Y-O-U-C-O-U-C-U-E, and she has a book by that name. She also has a website, social, is it social learning?
1: Social time.
0: Socialtime.org, and you can also connect with her on Twitter, at Anna underscore Vegan, So this is Dr. David Pomeroy signing off for now on this episode of ADHD Focus. Be well. Until next time.